Hi, I'm Claire Riley, and welcome to MS Understood. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in April 2017. At the time, all I wanted to do was get on with my life, put my head in the sand, and privately listen to real people's stories about living with this unpredictable disease. I was deep in denial, terrified about the unknown ahead, and I felt really alone. So, here it is. MS Understood, conversations with real people from all walks of life who live with MS. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge that this episode of MS Understood was recorded across multiple lands. I recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is Aboriginal land and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You know, MS has a stigma, so I just really hope I can help change that a little bit. Um, that I thought that they wouldn't renew my contract if they found out. I think, oh, Rebecca won't be able to, you know, continue doing what she's doing, so. Today on the MS Understood podcast, we chat with Rebecca Stoner from Just Eat Plants on Instagram. She chats so vibrantly about how she has no symptoms now, she's changed her diet quite early on, in fact, even before her diagnosis. And we chat a lot about the overcoming MS lifestyle, which she's a passionate advocate for. I really hope you enjoy this chat today. Hey, Beck, thank you so much for coming along and spending some time with me for the MS Understood podcast today. How are you going? Yeah, really well. Thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem. I love your recipes. And um, there was one that I've been meaning to try. Your, your shared a clear soup the other day oh. that I loved yeah. the look of. And yeah, yeah, so. that's a favourite in our house for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll pop it in my Instagram stories, so okay. go check it out. Yeah. Cool. Um, I love to just start every episode with a diagnosis story. So, um, yeah, how about you tell us yours? Sure. So probably very similar to a lot of people's. Um, about five and a half years ago, um, I had vision problem. So I woke up one day and, yeah, things looked a little bit strange. I didn't think much of it. Obviously, I wear glasses, so I just thought maybe I need a new pair of glasses. And I remember about 12 months before that, both times in winter, I had the same thing, like a little bit blurry in one eye, things were a bit strange. Um, so I just went to work and just, you know, I thought it would resolve itself. And it sort of got worse throughout the day. I'd be looking at people and their eye seemed a bit strange. I'm saying, what's wrong with their eyes? And then, like, everybody I told you, what's wrong with their eyes? And then finally I worked out it was actually my eyes that there was a problem. So I went to a GP. They said, if there's any, anything wrong with your eyes, you have to go to emergency straight away. So I went to emergency. They had no idea. Seriously, I saw all these specialists in this emergency hospital. Um, they really didn't know. So they sent me off to a, a vision expert. I think she was a ophthalmologist but she specialized in uh, neural ophthalmology so I went along and actually just to get in she wanted me to wait like six weeks and I'm like I think I need to go fairly soon I did the Dr Google thing <laughs> which you probably shouldn't do when you've got symptoms like this but I did and there's a website where you know you've got vision problems do you have this no do you have that yes and you sort of go down a path and um, it said it looks like optic neuritis, which is a symptom of MS. I'm like, oh, my God, of all things, you know, to be diagnosed. So, yeah, she, I got in to see her quite quickly. She sent me off for an MRI. And I remember the day, it was my friend's birthday, 
Um, I was sitting in her office and she said, it looks like you have multiple sclerosis. And I think that was her way of like softening the blow. It looks like, but anyway, it, it was true. Um, so my very, very first question to her was, well, what can I do about it? Like, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do to stop this? And she's like, oh, well, there's all these drugs. There's new things on the, you know, um, on the horizon as well that can prevent it and help uh, lessen the relapses. So, yeah, it was a pretty hard time. I had two small children. My youngest was about two at the time. So, you know, still um, he was heavily dependent on me. And, yeah, it was awful. I don't think anybody can understand what that what those words feel like when you finally hear them. I kind of like suspected I had it anyway, but you know, when I finally heard it, it was like, oh God, of all things, you know, a degenerative neurological condition has to be the worst. So Yeah, I was gonna ask how it felt, because I think some people feel a complete sense of relief that finally something's being diagnosed and they're not going crazy. I felt complete terror and yeah. despair. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, yeah. Both my husband and I felt the same. Like he was with me when I was diagnosed, and I think we took the next day off, and we talked about it. You know, there were tears. We talked about it for a while, but then we just sat down on the couch and watched, um, binge watched um, sci-fi movies or something like that, just to like escape reality for a while before we had to pick the kids up from school. But yeah, it was awful. It's like a grief, you know, like the the life that you you had has gone and. Now you sort of have this um, prognosis, and and my only experience with the only person I knew with MS was an aunt that I have. She's not a blood relative; she's a it's by marriage. Um, she's still alive. She's in her seventies and has MS since she was about thirty. So now she's in a quadriplegic unit. Um, she can't move. She can swallow. I don't know if she can talk anymore. Um, so her next step. And life is life support and yeah it's pretty awful she she progressed very quickly and very badly so that was m- my thoughts of what my future was going to hold and you know going to school with the kids and being disabled and that sort of stuff so it was pretty pretty bleak and it was pretty she depressing. was diagnosed like 40 years ago though so that's yeah. quite different isn't it yeah. yeah 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 very different and um and I think I mean MS affects everybody differently like in terms of not only their physical but also their mental outlook and I think she didn't take it very well and um yeah she's not doing very well unfortunately but um yeah that was my experience yeah that's something that we haven't I haven't spoken with um anyone I don't think about yet is that um you know most of the people I'm talking to are obviously quite positive happy to share their stories but I think that mental um the when you kind of acceptance that mental acceptance goes such a long way to healing your inside well I mean it's all inside but the physical as well as the emotional yeah 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 Yeah. um you mentioned before about treatment that your um MS nurse said at the very start did you decide to start taking a treatment um I did so after I saw the ophthalmologist um she reckon recommended a neurologist so I found one um he gave me a bunch of options um yeah you know the options at the time so that was like five six years ago so there's a few more things around now but um I started one oral medication that really didn't agree with me like really bad gastrointestinal upsets and then I went on galenia 
Um, and I was on that for a couple of years. Um, I'm not on any medication now, but we can talk about that later. But I, um, yeah, he he wasn't very supportive. Like he was, um, again, just everything was about medication and there were no lifestyle interventions. And I remember asking him my first appointment, is there anything I can do? <laughs> Absolutely anything I can do. Can I, is there any dietary or any exercise or whatever? What is it? What can I do? And he, just, he said, none of those things will hurt you, but they won't help you. So you know, in 10 years' time, it looks like you'll progress and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we, I went down that route and, and it probably did help the relapses to start with. But the other thing they said was that the medications would, in, on average, prevent 50 or 60% of your relapses. Instead of one every year, you might have one every two or three years. And for me, that wasn't good enough. I was like, oh, I don't want to have any more relapses. Um, I had a whole lot of other symptoms too. I always felt unwell, like I was always coming down with the flu or something. I always felt just awful. And I remember going to a GP before all of this, just saying, I just always feel awful. What is going on, you know? Um, and they couldn't find anything. But, yeah, and I always um, funny sensory things in my fingers. I always felt my balance was a bit off. To look at me, you probably wouldn't tell. Like we always talk about MS being an invisible disease. Um, but I felt terrible. And uh, cognitively, I felt like I completely lost who I was I could hardly string a sentence together um and I just you know if anybody ever noticed I said oh well, I've got a two-year-old and I'm not sleeping very well you know um but yeah it was a really awful time were those symptoms you mentioned then the cog fog and the um balance and tingling was that before you were diagnosed or did that happen after you were diagnosed I think throughout I think I'd had those sort of symptoms on and off for a couple of years before um, and, yeah, just thought I was sleep-deprived and, you know, everybody felt like this all the time. Um, and, yeah, eventually we obviously worked out what it was. But, yeah, they, they, were, they were just there for a long time. And I remember having really weird symptoms like um, just sitting at a table with a bunch of friends just talking and feeling like I was being pressed from above. And I haven't had this since, but I remember the other day, I remember being pressed into the table. And I think I just sort of like hunched over and I was sort of, you know, sort of trying to prop myself up on the table because something was happening in my body, obviously. And, yeah, thankfully I haven't had that again. That's really yeah, wow. I think um, when, you, when you said then is that I have found that because I've been diagnosed with MS, I notice things more. Mm. And so maybe I was getting, and my symptoms have changed quite a lot since then, but I have noticed things progressing and I do wonder whether that's because I've been diagnosed or because I have MS does that make sense yeah you're hyper aware of yep. any little thing in your body any little niggling thing yeah is that MS or is it just normal and yeah yeah you and so have... how do your symptoms show up now um I don't have any symptoms none so, yeah nothing wow optic neuritis resolved I think probably in the first six months you know, it's really funny, like um, I heard that stress was a massive role in um, the development of MS and I didn't think much of it, but I remember my son, just as my optic neuritis was starting to resolve, he had a massive tantrum. You know, one of those tantrums that goes for like half an hour and it's like over something little like wanting ice cream for breakfast or something. And um, I remember like really suddenly my vision almost completely went in one eye I was like, wow, like I couldn't help that rising stress in me because he was worried and, you know, we were having this moment together and then I just, yeah, the vision just went so quickly. I'm like, wow, it really, really impacts 
um, yeah, how you feel. It's incredible. Wow. And so no cog fog, nothing, nothing now? Nothing. So wow. all of that stuff resolved probably, yeah, within the first, I don't know, six to 12 months. And I know that quite early on, so like you said, you asked your MS nurse and the neurologist if there was anything you could do when they both responded with, you know, take your medication, it's all fine. But I understand that quite early on you did change your diet. Yeah, so um, I was working in science at the time. So I've got a background in science. I studied science at university. And so I kind of had the skills to read the research um, and I started doing that really quickly, actually, probably even before I went to the neurologist office the first time when I diagnosed myself, I started just doing a little bit of research and, um, yeah, stumbled across some things. And I thought, well, maybe that's why I was asking those questions. Is there anything like from the expert? Is there anything I can do? Um, unfortunately, neurologists don't get any nutrition training <laughs> or they might have like, you know, one session in their whole career. Um, so, yeah, I had to start from scratch and do the research myself. So, yeah, I did. Um, and I pretty much changed overnight. Uh, I think the fear was a massive motivator for me, um, you know, having two small children and thinking that I was going to end up like the auntie that I had. So I had to change everything overnight. And I'm so grateful that I did. And so tell me what you changed. So, first of all, um, I was, I was on an MS uh, Facebook group that we have for people here in South Australia. And, you know, we just post things. I feel like this, I feel like that. Does anybody else, you know, feel the same and newly diagnosed and basically just seeking a little bit of reassurance and a bit of hope. And one person um, just said a few words. She just said, have you heard of overcoming MS? I'm like, well, no, that's one thing I haven't heard of. So I just went straight and researched that. Um, and I realised that you could get um, a couple of free books through the Gawler Foundation, Recovering from Multiple Sclerosis, and George Jelinek's book, Overcoming MS. So I got those straight away, and I read the recovery stories first, and it was just amazing, just mind-blowing, just completely changed everything. So started on that pretty much straight away. Um, joined the forum online, joined the Facebook groups, just, you know, how to support network. And I also found a group um, here in Adelaide who catch up once a month, so people who follow the OMS program. And I've been, yeah, seeing them every month since. And, yeah, it was really important to have that support network, that's for sure. Can you talk about what the Overcoming MS is? What does that mean for the people who don't know? Yeah. So it's a seven-step program. So it was written um, by George Jelinek. So he's a medical doctor himself. He's actually a professor now. He um, has MS. His mother had it and she died uh, with it. So he looked into the research. He was diagnosed. He looked into the research straight away. And, again, having those skills in you know, medical research, he found so much literature on um, measures that he could take to help his prognosis. And so he wrote this book. So it's a seven-step program. The main focus is nutrition, obviously. So it's a whole food plant-based diet with seafood um, and it supplements with omega-3s through flaxseed oil. And it also looks at other things like vitamin D supplementation, um, stress reduction through meditation and mindfulness, um, getting good sleep. One of the things is also helping to prevent your family members from developing it. So that's something that I do with my kids. There's a slight um, genetic predisposition for them developing it. 
Um, so yeah, it's all based on evidence. The um, reference section in the back is massive, so you can go back to the original articles. And the other really good thing that I like about George's work is that so he has the website and the, um, the Facebook pages, but also he'll, he'll read some new research and he'll say, well, actually there was one component of this book where I actually changed our mind based on the evidence right now um, that we should tweak the diet or whatever just a little bit. So it's, yeah, always evolving and always um, growing. So. Yeah, I really, I like that, like you just said, that he's willing to change it and work with it because I think so often people get so convinced and set in a way that they believe is the way that they're not willing to change and adapt as as new evidence comes out. But to me, that means that it makes me feel comforted in the fact that he's like, hang on, I just learned something. Let's just, you know, rework this a little bit. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it doesn't set out to prove or disprove anything, um, but it just gives you strong evidence that this is the way to go. Yeah. Um, there was also a study that was just released uh, in February this year. It was a Dutch study that looked at, um, so people always say, yeah, but there's no evidence, there's no science. Well, actually there is. <laughs> and this article um, looked at 700, I think, women in the Netherlands and looked at healthy diet and linked it to mental and physical quality of life and strong correlation, healthy diet, really good um, mental and physical health. So. Yeah, it does, there is evidence. And from my understanding, the OMS diet is really what um, generally we're told we should be doing, you know, low saturated fats, whole foods, um, a lot of plants, fruit, uh, a little bit of fish, that, yeah. you know, keeping it kind of where you can see and read the ingredients. You yeah, understand totally. what you're eating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's the way I've gone now. So um again I've kind of evolved a little bit too um, after doing a little bit more reading and you know I base what I do on the overcoming this program but I um you know I just sort of tweaked it with the science that I've read since then so I I don't have any fish anymore um I also avoid processed oils because a lot of them are quite inflammatory um so yeah I don't have fried food and that sort of stuff not that OMS does but um yeah just really focus on whole food plant-based diet and the other great thing is that you can actually eat heaps. One of the side effects that I didn't know was going to happen, and I always forget to tell people, but um, I lost 22 kilos. So it's 50, wow. almost 50 pounds. I like to say 50 pounds. Like <laughs> um, so that was massive. Like after having a child, you know, you gain weight, you just think, oh, this is the way it's going to be. Um, but there's a strong correlation with excess body fat and development and severity of MS as well. So losing the weight on a whole food place, plant-based diet was relatively easy eating masses of food and the other thing is that it's not low carb there's a lot of um, people pushing a low carb diet at the moment and carbohydrates are so important for us for our brain health and everything um, it's the saturated fat that's the damaging thing and the western diet is just so jam-packed animal products contain saturated fat whether you trim the fat off of a chicken breast or not it's still in the meat um, dairy is one of the main sources of saturated but I think also so much, so many of those things like canola oil and sunflower oil, we know aren't great. But you, um, by eliminating those things, you're also eliminating, like you said, take most takeaway food, chips, most fried food. Like you're just eliminating foods that aren't really good for you anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but then having said that, um, so I haven't, I don't eat takeaway food as a rule now, but um, we've been in contact with a few restaurants in Adelaide and just said, hey, can you provide oil-free dishes without, the other thing is like when you say oil-free, they say, oh, so I can put coconut fats in there or I can put, you know, tropical oils are really bad like palm fat. Um, but if we just sort of specify nuts are okay, whole nuts, um, but when you extract the oils, not so great. So, yeah, just oil-free. We've had a few restaurants manage to do like oil-free Indian and it was just totally oh, wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a focus of something we're doing here in Adelaide to do is try and get, you know, to get out. And um, a lot of people say, well, you eat this way, you know, firstly, what do you eat? <laughs> is there anything left? Um but um, it must be really boring. Not at all. So, yeah, that's kind of my aim to show people that it's not horrible. Yeah, and with that, your aim, you mentioned earlier that you, when you were first diagnosed, you took a day off work. So can you talk to me about what you were doing when you were first diagnosed? Um, in terms of just diet and lifestyle? Oh, sorry, no, work. So you are working. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I was working in science, agricultural science. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I don't work in that field anymore because the funding kind of ran out, yeah. <laughs> which is now, now you're, from my understanding, running cooking classes and and that yeah. sort of thing around this plant-based yeah. thing. So can yeah. you um, tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So I do have a day job still. Yeah. Um, I'm a health, safety and wellbeing officer, um, but my passion is definitely more in the wellbeing side of things. And, yeah, so I was doing cooking classes with a friend for a while um, where we would uh, demonstrate um, whole food plant-based cooking, minimally processed without added oils, demonstrating simple things like um, cooking onions, stirring onions in a pot, you know, and caramelising them without oil. And so we did that for a while and now I've sort of branched out going, basically it's in people's homes, so taking it to them. Um, if they're not well enough to get out and come to a cooking class, I'll take all the ingredients, some equipment, um, and we just sit and have a chat and we cook. Uh, it's been fantastic. I've met some amazing people. Um, and I've just been in touch with the MS Society in South Australia. I'm going to do some cooking demonstrations with them, with their clients, um, like in a group sort of session. So, yeah, it's been really good. And also meal preparation. So I've got um, an NDIS client that I go along to and I do meal preparation for her and just basically stock her fridge and her freezer. Um, so it's been great. Really, I was going to really say, it. are you working in that area? Are you working with people mostly who have MS? Um, not yet, um, but hopefully through the MS Society, we will be in touch with more people. Um, so far, so basically my clients are people who are unwell um the demographic tends to be women mostly i think women tend to look after their or want to look after their health a little bit better um or people who are already plant-based but they're junk food vegans and they want to change they they realize that you know that can be just as detrimental than as eating a standard australian diet so yeah it's been really interesting quite a diverse range of people just want to learn more yeah wow um and you haven't had to die. Um, I assume that with having so or no symptoms of MS, you don't have to disclose to work or do you talk about having MS at work? Or I did, you know, um, I hadn't. So all through my original relapse and oh, I just felt terrible, I was making mistakes at work. I think mainly mostly because of the stress I was under after the diagnosis and 
that whole life-changing situation, um, I didn't disclose to anybody. I held it really close to me, even just close friends and family um, I disclosed it to. But as uh, time went on and I learned that making these diet and lifestyle changes were helping me, um, I felt confident to tell people. And I actually disclosed to work only recently when um, the whole COVID pandemic started because I had to work from home. There was a time where I just thought, I don't know how it might affect me. And I hadn't told them I had MS, but I just thought, well, I just said to them, look, I have this condition. I think I should start working from home. And that means nothing but supportive. But I think when I was working in science, because funding was so unreliable, I didn't want to, you know, MS has a stigma. So I just really hope I can help change that a little bit. Um, that I thought that they wouldn't renew my contract if they found out. I think, oh, Rebecca won't be able to, you know, continue doing what she's doing. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they would have, but I just felt like they might. So It's sort of that that scary um, discrimination thing that you just can't diagnose because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's so many people in that position. Yeah. 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 You spoke earlier about NDIS, about how you've got one um, participant under NDIS. And I wanted to ask you about NDIS. We actually spoke about this before the interview started um, and you have applied. Tell yeah. us a bit more about that. Yeah. Well, so the other thing, um, just on a slight tangent, was I yeah. did go to an Overcoming MS retreat when I was first diagnosed. Um, I don't know if they're going to be running anymore. I think the, the foundation's closing down due to lack of funding. But anyway, it was just, it was life-changing to go along and meet other people who had MS and learn more about OMS. Um, but there I met a woman who said um, she was quite familiar with the NDIS process and she'd worked in that sort of um, um, evaluating people. I think it was when it was just first coming out. She said, you know, you can get NDIS as a preventative um, to, to be able to help you with things that might, you know, reduce your stress load or whatever and just help you basically prevent any further relapses. And I thought, wow, that would be great. So I tried to apply. Um, it was a really lengthy process. I had to go through a GP to get all the papers filled out and stuff. Um, but basically I had the phone call from NDIS saying, I'm sorry, Rebecca, but you're not bad enough. You're not sick enough. Come back to us when you get your condition progresses. And I basically just said to her, um, I hope I never speak to you again because I plan to be really well and healthy and um, I plan for it not to progress. So, yeah, so I was refused NDIS. And I haven't reapplied because I figure there are so many people out there who really need it more than I do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And um, I've really enjoyed helping this um, NDIS client. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's important for people, for sure. Yeah, I was um, denied the first time I applied, but I have mobility issues and, mm -hmm. you know, I reapplied with a bit more evidence and um, thankfully for me I'm getting heaps of physio support, which I'm actually now starting to see a positive difference. So, like right. you, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is preventative because I don't want to get any worse, but it is also helping the current symptoms. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about an integrative doctor because it's something that I've heard a lot about. It's kind of a bit of a buzz word happening at the moment or buzz idea. I don't know anything about it. Mm. Why would you see an integrative doctor and not a GP 
And what do they do that's different? So my integrated doctor is a GP, but um, my understanding of integrative health is that a medicine is, um, they look at you as a holistic package, you know. It's not just you have MS, it affects your brain. They look at it and they're totally supportive of what I do um, in terms of um, diet and lifestyle and stuff. And, yeah, so they look outside the square as well. So my GP is fantastic. She's always been so supportive of me. Um, but there's only so much she knows. Like, you know, she's, she's got the, um, the standard GP training and, yeah, again, very, very little in nutrition training. And so the integrated doctor will do different tests that a GP wouldn't. Like, for example, um, she picked up that I was extremely deficient in iodine. Uh, which no GP has ever bothered to even talk about. And actually since then I've been to a GP to get one of my children tested for iodine just, you know, out of interest. And he had to look it up in the book like, oh, I don't even know what that test involved. And um, so, yeah, they just look outside the square and look at things like, you know, B12 and other nutrient deficiencies that you might have um, and just try and help from a holistic kind of viewpoint. So you see an integrative doctor and a GP? Yeah, so I see a GP, you know, she's um, amazing, which means that she's really popular and hard to get into. Um, But we do catch up at least once a year to do the GP care plan. So I do get that. um, And you can have allied health visits free for the 12 months. So, yeah, we catch up and she just, you know, asks the same questions, you know, check your height, weight, blood pressure, that kind of stuff. What are your own medications, all that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it's just basically a bit of a, chat session but yeah mainly it's the integrated doctor that I would go to if I really want my blood screening you know if I want to have a full blood panel or something like that so yeah okay yeah yeah right all right I'm gonna um see if I can find someone in our area and um, yeah maybe suss that out yeah. um I love to know what is the best thing because I like to keep this as a po- fairly positive space I know MS can be awful for lots of different reasons but it's also not the end of our lives tell me what the best thing to have happened to you because of your ms is um well i have to say i'm really grateful to be diagnosed with ms i know that's really strange like people just think wow that's a weird thing to say but without have being diagnosed i wouldn't have changed my diet so along with that my children my husband are on board we all eat a whole food plant-based diet Um, you know, there's a genetic component and I'm just trying to keep them as well as possible. I also supplement them with vitamin D. Living in South Australia, you know, we don't get enough sun exposure down here. Um, But, yeah, just the diagnosis, it's been life-changing. Firstly, in a bad way, like it was really scary, but now I'm just so positive. It's completely changed my life. I've met some amazing people um, through this OMS group that I catch up with once a month. The woman who runs it, she's... Um, been following the OMS program for 20 years or so. She still runs park run every weekend and she's doing amazingly. So um, she was, you know, sort of like a, um, I don't know, sort of like a, a mentor to say that, you know, this is the way it can be. And, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Yeah, really happy to be diagnosed with a chronic neurological condition. <laughs> Um, and what is something, the last question I like to ask is, what is something you'd tell people to make MS more understood? Um, I want people to know, whether they have MS or not, that there's hope. Um, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can do for yourself to prevent your progression to disability, 
uh, make your quality of life better. Everybody's MS is different. So I'm not saying that, you know, follow a whole food plant-based diet and you'll have no symptoms. It's not, definitely not the case. I never say to people, don't take medication. But there's definite hope. And when I was first diagnosed, that's what I was searching for. I just thought there has to be a silver lining to this. I have to be able to see, you know, that there's some hope in the future. And Yeah, there definitely is. Thanks so much, Rebecca, for spending some time with us today. I am really thankful for having a chat with you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of MS Understood. Be sure to check out Rebecca on Instagram for her beautiful recipes at just underscore eat underscore plants. If you enjoyed this chat today, I'd also recommend you listening to the episode Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis with Ashley Madden. You can find me on Instagram at claire.riley or msunderstoodpodcast. The best thing you can do to support this podcast is click follow on Spotify, subscribe on your other podcast listening platforms and leave a review. It really helps others to find the episodes. Thanks again so much for listening and please share this episode with someone you think it might help. 